on the subject that we began Wednesday night. We began to speak about the subject of faith. And I'm going to try to help us today in the area of faith. I want to dispel, if I can, concepts and uh, wrong perception and understanding concerning faith, especially when it comes to great faith or little faith. Because all too often we hear God's kids make this statement. I guess my faith wasn't great enough. I've come to tell you, you don't have a problem with your faith. And we're going to look into that. And if you can understand what the Spirit wants to say to us here today, then it will help you in your approach to God and how we approach Him in prayer. Wednesday night, we led out with faith. The subject went right out my head. Does anybody remember? I knew that was going to happen. I knew none of y'all were going to remember. I pay some of these guys and they can't even remember. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. All right. All right. You, all right. Okay. You can keep your salary, bro. It's all right. It's okay. But you're not going to get a raise just because you remembered something. That's right. We preached on He is. Can't blame him. I couldn't remember. I was the one who preached it. And that we must believe that he is what? That he is in our situation. You cannot believe God without faith. You must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So the first thing I have to do is understand that no matter what is going on in my life, that God is in my situation. That alone should bring a comfort and a strength. We are not alone in this. We not only have one another, but we have the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 14, verse number 24, to our guests, we're so thankful you are here. It is I prayer that you receive everything that the Lord Jesus Christ would like for you to have before you leave here today. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Everybody say, the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. Everyone say fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, 
Be not I'm going to help you today if you'll let me. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. Notice it didn't say the sea. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was, say it, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said unto him, and look at the words of Jesus speaking to a man who just walked on the water. O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou Say fear, fear. Doubt. doubt. It's going to help us today if you'll let me. Put your Bibles down and let's pray and ask the Holy Ghost to speak to our hearts and our minds here this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come together to feel your presence. You have already touched us. You have already ministered to us. Lord, through our worship to you, through the singing and the, the songs and the music and the moving of the Spirit, we have felt your power and your glory. But now, God, we ask that you would open up the Word to us. For we are begotten by the Word. We are washed by the Word. We are born again by the Word. We pray, God, that you will bring revelation and understanding to our minds and hearts and that we would receive it here today, that we can leave here, Father, with a clearer perception of faith. We ask it in the mighty, powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody say amen. Clap your hands to the Lord and give God praise. Well, bless you, you may be seated. I'm going to do more teaching than preaching today. So I want you to stay with me. I've got about 22 pages of notes. And that's on regular paper. I left them over there. It's 36 here. And I'm on page 3. So just hang in tight. Tell your neighbor we got a ride. But it's good. Y'all know I never finish. Probably won't even get page four, but just stay with me. I'm going to speak to, something, uh, to us about something that is elementary. Maybe a better word would be foundational or fundamental. However, when your life is shaking and things are being moved within your life, and everything that can be shaken is being shaken. It is not your achievements that secure you. It is not the skyscrapers that you may have reached that brings you comfort. But what brings you strength and comfort is the foundation that you are standing on. 
Many things that we achieve, perceive, understand, comprehend, or we are able to accomplish in our life fall apart around us. But there has got to be a foundation that I stand on that no matter how much shaking comes to my life, this foundation cannot be moved. And one of those foundations is understanding faith in our life and our walk with God. Faith is not an option. The Bible tells us we cannot please God without it. It is a necessity. It is a requirement. I must have and walk in faith with my Lord Jesus Christ. And if faith is such a vital part of my relationship to God, then it is important that I have a biblical understanding of faith. Not a religious understanding, but a biblical comprehension of what it means to walk in faith with Christ. Now, there are three things, others, but three things that I have settled in my life. And it is important that you do the same. We touched on the first one Wednesday night. And one of the things that I had to settle in my life is that God is in control no matter what happens in my life. It may not be good and it may not be something I like, but God is still in control. It might bring me pain and sorrow and heartache, but my God is still in control of my life. From the day that I gave my heart and spirit to him and he began to walk with me, he has been in control of my path. I may have made some bad decisions and have suffered some horrible consequences because of it, but never a day in my life has God been out of control. Another thing I had to understand is that not worrying about something or not being anxious about something doesn't mean that I do not care. We need to understand that we can come to a place in God in faith that we are not walking around wringing our hands and pulling our hair and worrying about things and we can walk in confidence with God and security with him no matter how bad it looks and know that God is truly in control and I am not gonna worry about it. I'm gonna bring it to God in prayer with thanksgiving. Something else I had to learn is that many times, in fact, most of the time, it is me that has complicated my own life. And it is my choices and my decisions that has brought heartache and pain into my life. Can you say amen to that? 
but he does not forsake us. He does not leave us. He gently nudges us. He slowly awakens us. And when we see what we've done or thought, whatever our action may have been, he forgives us and we're able to get back on path with him and walk a life of righteousness, his righteousness in his presence. Now, I want to speak to us here today about faith. Faith has several elements to it. One of those things, of course, is our ability to stay focused on what is right and what is important to God. One of the things that we find when we look into the story of Simon is that he lost his focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. He allowed things to distract him. Every one of us, from your pastor in this pulpit to the ministry to my right, to the elders in this congregation, all the way to the ones that have just received the gift of the Holy Ghost recently. Our lives are full of distractions. Satan is constantly trying to distract us. And he is trying to bring things into our life that will bring doubt and fear to your heart. Because what you're going to find out here today is that it is not your lack of faith that is causing these things to happen or not happen. But it is because we have allowed fear and doubt to come into our life. If somehow we can get a hold of the point that if I can just keep my eyes on Jesus, not get overwhelmed or excited that I'm walking on the water, not be distracted that there's a wave or a wind, but keep my eyes on the thing that got me out here in the first place, I guarantee you that it will get you back safely to the boat that faith got you out of. Peter, when he looked at the situation, we must conclude that he lost his focus. Jesus says to him, Oh, ye of little faith, stay with me today. Let me lay a foundation. My focus on the word of God, my focus on the glory of God, my focus on the greatness of God is directly proportionated to my faith. Before we can go any further, we have to understand two things about faith. And I'm just going to skip over this. But faith is heard and faith is seen. When you study the word of the Lord, you will find that the things that stopped Jesus in his tracks is when faith cried out and Jesus heard. And the Bible said he stood still. 
Other times we see, the Bible says, when Jesus saw them lower the men down through the roof before him, he saw their faith. So I want to start out here today because I'm going to try to help your faith. But I want to let you know something from the beginning. If you have faith, it will be heard and it will be seen. I think one of the most amazing things about this story is that somewheres in the midst, now watch this, in the midst of the greatest miracle of Peter's life, he lost focus of what God was doing in him because of the chaos that was surrounding him. Now watch me. Before Jesus ever showed up, the storm was all Already there before Jesus came walking on the sea the boat was being rocked they feared their very lives from the wind and the waves and the storm they were afraid they weren't going to make it they were in trouble they were in a turmoil they were in a storm but in the middle of that same storm when Jesus showed up he did not calm the waves when he showed showed up, he didn't stop the wind. When he showed up, he didn't hush the thunder. In the middle of the storm, he said to Peter, come, come, come. What I'm trying to say is this. I've come to tell you, even if there's trouble in your life, even if there's a storm in your life, even if there's heartache and pain and everything's shaking and everything's going crazy, doesn't mean that God cannot do the greatest miracle in you that you have ever seen. <laughs> In fact, somebody clap your hands to the Lord. In fact, that's when God shows up. When it's out of your control. When you no longer can manipulate it. God will step. Woo! You know why sometimes we miss the miracle of God in our life or the miracle he wants to do? Because we think the miracle is God shutting the waves. We think the miracle is God stopping the wind. We think the miracle is God calming the sea. Oh no, in the middle of your trouble, in the middle of your disaster, in the middle of your storm, God has a miracle. God has a miracle. I've come to tell somebody, get ready for your miracle. God's about to come by. God's about to bless you. God's about to help you. Come on, somebody. Anybody here today need a miracle? Anybody here today need a miracle? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. 
focused on the wind and the waves and the storm that you miss your miracle right in the middle of what's going on in your life. Trouble does not mean God is not working. Difficulty does not mean God is not working. Hardship does not mean God is not working right in the middle of your life. He wants us to learn. Get our eyes off the storm, off the waves, off the wind. Get our eyes back on him. All right. Let's get back to teaching. 30 years, I just can't get the evangelist out. I got a feeling 20 more years will take care of it, though. Because it'll be like this. Y'all need to quit worrying. This blows my mind. So Peter steps out on the water. He walks to Jesus who was walking on the sea. And he gets almost to him. The Bible says he got distracted by the wind and the waves. The sounds of the storm. And he began to sink. And he cried out to the Lord. Save me, Jesus. And the word of the Lord says, immediately. <laughs> and I'm glad he did it immediately. Because it don't take long to sink. Immediately, he reached out and he got a hold of the hand of Peter. Pulled him back up on the water. And Jesus and Peter walked back to the boat. And while he was going there, he looked at Peter. And he said, Thou of little faith. I'm like, are you kidding me? Hey, guys, I can't remember the last time I walked on water. Wait a minute. I've never walked on water. Even when I was baptizing people, I went down as I walked. The most spiritual moment of my life, I still sunk. Picks this guy up, looks at him, and says, Oh, ye of little faith. Now, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe when the wind was blowing and the waves were crashing, maybe Peter's faith dropped right below the water walking level. Wherever that's at. <laughs> but something tells me that probably wasn't the case. And when we, when we look into the Word of God, what we find out is that when Jesus says, little faith, great faith, he's not talking about quantity. 
He's talking about quality. Faith, Peter's faith, did not drop one ounce. What happened to Simon was he allowed something else in his heart that mixed with his faith and his current faith had little power, little ability because fear and doubt had mixed in. I'm going to show you what I mean. If, if this was a bottle of muriatic acid, is that how you say that? And it was pure muriatic acid. <clears throat> and I stuck my hand in there. What would it do to my hand? It would start eating my flesh. Pure muriatic acid. I can say, take this same container and dump it into a five-gallon bucket same amount of muriatic acid and I can mix it up and I can take a bath in that. Well, it might need to be bigger than five gallons, but I can dip it in there. I can put my hand in there. I can take a rag and dip it in there and I can wash my body with it and it will not burn anything. I did not diminish the amount of acid. I polluted it with something else. Jesus looked at Simon Peter and he said, oh ye of little faith. But then he qualifies his statement. He says, why did you doubt? Why did you fear? You had the faith to walk on the water. Why did you doubt and why did you fear? Our problem is not our faith. It's the fact that we let fear and doubt get in our heart and the faith that God has given us can no longer operate the way that God has chosen to make it operate in the kingdom. Why am I saying that? Because you need to stop praying. God, increase my faith. The Bible says, when the disciples asked that question, he looked at them and said, if you had the faith of the grain of a mustard seed, you'd say to this mountain, be thou removed, and it would obey your voice, and it would be removed. What was he saying to his disciples when they said, Lord, increase our faith? By the way, the subject there was about forgiveness. He was saying to them, you don't need your faith increased. You need to get unforgiveness out of your heart. And the faith that you already have will accomplish anything that you needed to do if you'll get unforgiveness out of your heart. 
if you get fear out of your heart, if you get doubt out of your heart, and I'm saying all of this so that we can start praying in the right areas. It's not God increase my faith. It's God help me not be afraid. Help me not to fear. Help me not to doubt. You remember when they, they brought that little boy? He was possessed with a devil. And they brought that child. And Jesus looked. And he says, how long will I be with this perverse nation? You people are so untoward God. He said, if you just had faith, your faith is so little. The man, the father said, oh God, I have faith. But help my unbelief. Help my fear. Help my doubt so that my faith can operate. I wish somehow I could get this across to you. I left my notes. My notes are so much prettier than what I'm saying. But here's the problem. It's not your faith. It's that you have begun to fear what has got a hold of your body. You are fearing what has got a hold of your spirit. You're fearing the circumstances that you're seeing. You lost your job. Your account's going down. Fear's gripping your heart. What are we going to do? Are we going to lose the house? Do we have to sell a car? What is it we need to do? And fear is gripping. And then you'll start saying, oh, if I just had more faith. No, you have the faith. Get rid of the fear. Address the fear. Say, cancer, I will fear you no more. Finances, I will fear you no more. Disease in my body, I will fear you no more. I'm here to tell you, if you'll cast out fear. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love power and a sound mind. Oh, I wish somebody would get excited. I wish somebody would get excited. Now, in order to get rid of fear, you're going to have to accept something. Woo! I preached this in Liberia. It took me five days. Condensed version. You're going to have to accept something. God is only showing you today. He is not showing you tomorrow. He's in control of your tomorrows. And what did he say? He said, fear not. Worry not about your tomorrows. I like the way Jesus is really funny sometimes. He said, tomorrow has enough evil for itself. You don't have to put no evil up. You don't have to push a little evil forward. When you get to tomorrow, it's going to have all the evil you need. All the trouble you need is going to already be there. Don't add none to it today. He said, fear not tomorrow. God only gives you today. 
This is the source of fear. Because we are not willing to trust him one day at a time. We want to know what tomorrow is going to bring. We want to know what next week's going to bring. We want to have everything secure, everything in place. That's not faith. The just walk by faith. That's not faith. If you got your tomorrows down, you know everything. That's not faith. We walk by faith. Now, the Bible says Jesus walked on the sea. That word sea means oceans. He walked on the oceans. He controlled all the elements everywhere all the time. He walked on the sea. But the Bible says Peter walked on the water. You know what that word means? The confined area. Not the ocean. Every step that Peter took where his foot was planted is the only place that God gave him power over the water. The moment fear and doubt entered his life and the Bible says he stood still the moment he stopped walking and he stood still and fear and doubt got in his heart, he lost the power that was beneath his feet. But Jesus, who had power over the sea, was able to reach down and get him and pick him back up. God is not going to show you your path. You're not going to see 50 steps ahead of where you're going, Peter. You're not going to know where to put your foot. No, you got to take it one step at a time. And as you walk, as you walk, God will give you power. Everywhere you put your foot, God will give you power over that situation. Whatever you do, don't stop and look around. Keep focused on Jesus Christ. Keep walking. No matter the pain, no matter the heartache, no matter the situation, stay planting your feet because everywhere you walk, God's going to give you power under that foot. Clap your hands to the Lord. There's something you and I need to understand. Faith will never bring you and leave you. Wherever faith takes you, if you'll keep the faith, it'll bring you back. Faith's not going to walk you out on that water and let you drown. No. Even if you 
falter. Fear gets a hold of your heart. That's all right. The one you were borrowing your faith from, he's still there. And if you'll reach your hand up, remember Peter reached out. If you'll reach your hand up, he will get a hold of your hand, sir. Ma'am, he will get a hold of your hand. And Pastor, you don't understand. I stepped out. I knew it was God. But I got out here. And now I'm messed up. God gave me this great job. I was doing good. And then I kind of began to overspend myself. I stopped paying my tithe and offering. I paid it when I only made 100 bucks a week. But I just couldn't get myself to pay it when I made 1000 God's not going to forsake you. He's just waiting for you to reach your hand back up. He'll pull you back up. Put your feet back on the water. Now he's walking on the sea because he controls everything in your life. He walks on the sea because he knows your tomorrows. He walks on the sea because he knows everything you will ever face. And he said, I will never let anything come against you that you cannot bear. And if it's more than you can bear, he said, I will make a way of escape that you can bear it. He didn't say, he didn't say he'd take you out of it. He said, if it gets to where it's overwhelming for you, I will step into your life and I will make a way that you will be able to bear the trial that I put you in because I put you here and I'm doing something in you and we're going to walk on this water until it's done. And if you fear the wave and you fear the wind, just stay close. If you'll stay close, I can reach you. I can pick you back up. I can restabilize you. We can go forward again. When Jesus said, little faith, he justified that statement. Fear and doubt has come into your heart. That's what you've got to deal with. How do I battle fear and doubt? That's another message. But I can tell you right now, faith cometh by hearing the You want to deal with fear and doubt, get into the book. And I don't mean some casual reading. I'm talking about digesting it. Get into it. Absorb it. Read it. Until your every waking thought is something about the Word of God. Friend, when the Word of God fills your heart, there is no room for fear. There is no room for doubt. Because when fear and doubt comes in, you'll just spew the word. Right out of, you'll just speak the word right out of your mouth. And it will destroy fear and doubt. God's come to try to help somebody here today. You've been seeking God about something. Some of you have been seeking the Holy Ghost. You're trying to figure out why you can't get it. Because you're full of fear. 
when you step out and you're full of doubt, when you step out and you walk down, the thing going through your mind is I've already sought for it ten times. I've already been here for months and months and years and years. Uh, he, he's never filled me uh, then. Why is he going to fill me now? But you just kind of make that little trip down, down, the, uh, down the aisle. You walk on water until you get to the end of the aisle and then you start sinking the closer you get. God's come to tell you it's not your faith. It's not your faith that's stopping you from receiving his spirit but you're carrying fear and doubt in your heart and when you get up today you make your way down to this altar today and you come here and you lift your hands you need to dispel fear dispel doubt and begin to speak I will receive the Holy Ghost today God has given me his spirit today I can feel his power right now I feel his anointing right now I will speak in other tongues today God will flow through me today you speak faith you speak positive speak faith through the word of God and it will dispel fear and doubt and the power of the Holy Ghost will come in when you dilute something it loses its power we look in Matthew 21 and 21 Jesus said unto his disciples Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this. He was talking about the fig tree that withered. You shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, it shall be done. So he said, have faith. But don't doubt. Look at Matthew 14 and 30. And when he saw the wind boisterous, he was. Now, what got him out of the boat? Faith. What got him walking towards Jesus? What caused him to sink? It didn't say when he lost faith. It said, when he was afraid. Jesus didn't say, when you lost your faith. He said, oh, ye of little faith. But he qualified that by letting him know that it was fear and doubt that came into his life. 2 Timothy 1 and 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Where does faith come from? The word. But ultimately, where does faith come from? Who gave us the measure of faith? God gave us the measure of faith. God does not give us the spirit of fear. Faith and fear cannot mix. You can have all the faith in the world, but the moment fear enters into your life, it's going to be destroyed. I'm here to tell you right now that when the Hebrew children who were full of faith, that when they were being cast into that fire, they did not lose their faith. They said, they said, if you throw us in and we die, we die. But our God is surely able to deliver us. That's totally up to him. They bind them up. They cast them in. And when they got in there, as we preached Wednesday night, he is. He was in the middle of their dilemma because they went into their dilemma with faith.
You never heard them begging for their life or doubting in their comments. The same with Daniel in the lion's den. They never lost their faith. But more importantly, it's not that they didn't lose their faith. They did not let fear come to them. Chance, how do you conquer fear? You get over the result. Watch me. They said, whether we die or not. Whether I burn or not. Whether the lions eat me or not. If I'm worried about them lions, I'm going to have a tough time handling fear. If I'm worried about frying like bacon in that furnace, I'm going to have a tough time dealing with fear. If I'm worried about this cancer eating my body, I'm going to have a tough time dealing with fear. If I'm worried about the finances in my bank account, I'm going to have a tough time dealing with fear. So how do I get rid of fear? Whether I, whether I live wealthy or whether I live rich or poor, I will serve him. Whether I die or whether I live with this cancer, I'm going to love him. Yes. If I got to spend the rest of my life in this disease, I'm going to serve him. The only way to conquer fear is to stop worrying about the result, what the outcome is going to be, and just trust God every day that you live. I didn't say it was easy, but you got to be like Paul the Apostle. I will be content no matter how I find myself. Somewhere's in this dilemma. Somewhere's in this situation. Somewhere's in this sickness. I must say to him, whether I live or die doesn't matter anymore. I love you. I will serve you. I will praise you. You conquer fear when the result of the situation and dilemma that you're in doesn't matter anymore. I don't care what the finished product is as long as I have him. Throw me into that furnace. We don't care. If I die, I'm going to go be with him. If I live, I'm going to be with him. Paul said, Paul said, take it away. Take it away. Take it away. Three times he sought God. Three times. Take it away. Take it away. Finally, God comes and says, my grace is sufficient for you. Get up. That's just the way it's going to be. How did Paul end his life? He said, to live. To live is Christ, right? To die. How did he conquer that fear? How did he get over the fact that he had a thorn in his flesh that God was not going to take away? He reached a place where he said, if I live here, I got him. 
If I die, it's gain for me. The result doesn't matter. The outcome doesn't matter. He's the only one that When you get a hold of that, fear cannot grip your heart any longer. I will not fear the flame. I will not fear the lion. I will not fear finances. I will not fear sickness. The end result doesn't matter. Because in the end, in the end, sink or swim, walk on the water or sink, it's still Jesus holding my hand. In the end, it's still Jesus holding my hand. Put your hands together for the Lord. I hope we're doing all right here. The spirit of fear got that in here. Spirit of fear and the spirit of bondage are cousins. They're probably twins, to be honest. You can't have one without the other. If you're in fear, you're in bondage. There's no way around it. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. In Romans, the word of the Lord says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spies went out, and uh, they saw all the wonderful things of God. But when they came back, they said, this is, listen to this. They said, nevertheless, the people be strong. And they dwell in land and cities that are walled and very great. And not only all that, we saw the big people there. The sons of Anak. The giants. Now, it was just a few days earlier that the most powerful army on the planet was drowned in a Red Sea. And that same God opened that sea. And they walked across on dry ground. And they turned around and looked at their enemy being drowned by that same water that they had just walked across the sea there on dry ground. And then they go into the promised land and they come back and they say, but the people be strong there. Are you kidding me? Let me tell you the most dangerous thing about fear. Fear blinds you to everything God has already done for you. Fear takes from you your past experiences in God. When you are in bondage because of fear, you forget what God has already done. And when you forget what God has already done, it's hard for you to believe him for what he might do. 
So what can your faith do if you forgot what he's done and cannot believe him for what he may do? How can your faith operate? Peter, when you stepped out of that boat, the wind was blowing just as hard. The waves were just as high. Nothing changed for you. Nothing changed for you. And you walked on the water. Nothing changed. The waves didn't get higher. The wind didn't blow stronger. Nothing in your situation changed. Except you let fear come into your heart. And when fear entered your heart, you instantly forgot. You've already taken 30 steps. You're already walking on the water. Why are you fearing about walking on the water right now? Because fear robs you of what God just did for you. And it puts you in bondage so you can't believe him for what he's going to do for you tomorrow. Okay. I can't. I, let's stand. I, I'm, I, can, I, I can sense coming to an end. I didn't even get to great faith. I'm still dealing with little faith. And by the way, having a misconcept of what little faith is, it is just as dangerous to have a misconcept of what great faith is. Because both of them will rob you of your ability to believe God. Oh, if I could just be like Brother Sap, if I could just have great faith. You know that's what we do. Somebody will come into church and they'll have a, a gift and, oh, if I could just have that kind of faith. You have a misconception of faith. And it's just as dangerous to have little faith. It is just as dangerous to have a misunderstanding of what great faith is. Tell your neighbor, faith is pure within itself. That's why it doesn't matter if you have little or great. Because the crumb will do everything the loaf can do. It doesn't take a lot of faith. Everything that's in the loaf is in the crumb. She came to the Lord and Oh, I got so much great stuff here. Lord, save us. We're going to perish. Why are ye fearful little faith? I'm going to go buy all that. I'm going to get something. Little faith is faith that's mixed with fear. It's no longer pure. You've mixed it. You put leaven in it. And a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Your fear has defiled all of your faith. Your doubt. Let me continue. I'm coming to a close. Ah. She comes to the Lord. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself on that one. Whew, man, I'm glad I stopped myself. That's great faith. That's so good. If y'all come back next week, I'll preach great faith next week. 
You might not like it anymore than a little faith, though. Because I'm telling every one of us in this building, you have all the faith you need. Your faith is not the problem. It's the other things that you have allowed to defile your faith. Hey, I've seen some people in some pretty tough times. I wouldn't want to be in your shoes. My mom died when she was 72 years old. When she was 21, she caught the worst case of rheumatoid arthritis ever recorded in the state of Louisiana. When I was born, when she was five years old, she could no longer walk again. I remember a few years later, she went to the doctor and the doctor said, this is, you know, before they had all these cures. Not cures, but things that slow it down. And the disease was literally eating the cartilage of all of her joints in her body, everywhere. My mother and I got the Holy Ghost on the same night. We got baptized on the same night, in Jesus' name. Well, that time she... She couldn't walk. She was almost blind. I think she was still able to feed herself, but not bathe herself. And then as we got a little older, and the disease continued to eat her body, she went blind. She couldn't bathe herself because she couldn't move. She couldn't feed herself. So when she ate, we had to feed her. She couldn't swallow. You had to, you know, blend it. Puree or something they call it. And, but I want to tell you something. My mother never, ever, one single day, lost her hope that God would heal her. And then her other part of faith was that she wasn't going to die. She was going to go on the rapture. She believed he was coming again. Neither one of those came to pass. When my mother died, she died in excruciating death. It wasn't pleasant. Brother Walcott was with me when she took her last breath, Sister Walcott. She suffered horribly. You couldn't even touch her body without her being in excruciating pain. And towards the end, she got these sores that ate into her flesh. Eventually, they couldn't control the infection that heated her body, and she died. But when you walked into that room thinking you were going to comfort her,
you had another thing coming. When you left out of that room, you were the one that had been preached to, prayed for, encouraged that you can do anything for God. Go through anything for God. I never heard fear from her. You say, well, you know, why didn't the Lord heal her? I don't know, because he certainly healed a lot of other people she prayed for. Many of her nurses got baptized in Jesus' name, were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because she's like the changing of the guards with Apostle Paul. They couldn't keep the guard there very long. She'd pray him through to the Holy Ghost. I know she's my mom, but that, that's not my point. She died in the faith. The last words on her lips were Jesus. How much she loved him, praised him, cherished him. There's a lot of people that would have cursed God for that. I don't know the real reason. I do believe this. The Lord showed me things in prayer years ago. I do believe this. I want you to get a hold of this. For every affliction that this world suffers, there will be a child of God who will suffer the same affliction and who will not curse God. The Bible says the same afflictions which come upon the world come upon God's kids as well. You do know that, right? I am in the Bible, in case you're wondering. I believe that at Judgment Day, for every excuse from this world, for every mouth that opens and says, I would have served you but God will have a child of his that he will point at and say she suffered that he suffered that I never delivered them from it and yet they served me all the days of their life there will be no excuses why are you saying this I'm trying to help you to get fear and doubt out of your mind your affliction your difficulty what you're facing what you're going through is not some punishment like the devil would want you to believe God loves his children can you trust him can you take one more step on the water Peter no matter how loud the wind is or how high the waves are can you take one more step can you trust him because he is he is in my situation 
and he may heal you and when he does you can rejoice but he's sovereign he may not and if he doesn't let the last words on your lips be I love you Jesus I love you Jesus But in order for your faith to operate in your life, here's what I'm closing with. I know you're standing. Because you thought I was talking about faith to solve your problems. But I'm not. I'm talking about letting faith operate in you so that you can help others. In the middle of your trouble, in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your difficulty. The reason why we are not impacting the world is because fear and doubt has gripped us because of our own situations. And our faith is not able to operate. We're not able to speak to mountains and see them removed. We're not able to curse fig trees and see them wither. We're not able to speak in the situations of others and see God do incredible miracles and do great wonders. And, and in the middle of you working and, and, and serving and doing for others, the Lord just may step into your life and he just may heal you and he just may give you that job and he just just may bless you and he just may solve that problem but he may not but what I'm concerned about is have you let your situation lock up your faith with fear and doubt that you cannot even touch someone else for Jesus Christ Paul, I'm not taking it out. You're going to learn to live with it. It's going to be there. <laughs> Paul said it kept me humble. But at least I quit worrying about it. At least I can help others. They beat him. Beat him. Beat him. Threw him in the deepest of the dungeon where there were rats and and that stuff that comes out I'm trying to think of feces ugly nasty filthy smelly in bonds God comes and shakes the prisons chains fall off doors open God runs in. It's about to take his life. And Paul says, whoa. We're all here. We're not running from our trials. We're not escaping our difficulties. We're not trying to get out of this disastrous thing that our faith put us in. No, we're here for you. Now let's go get baptized, you and your family, now that you see what God can do. And he took him and he washed his stripes. 
him and his family was baptized filled with the power of God and changed forever because somebody in stocks and bonds in a prison had quit worrying about the end result a long time ago fear and doubt didn't enter his heart when he was stocks and bonds and prisons and fastings often and, and shipwreck often and beatings multiple times and perils of the countrymen and, and perils of the all of the perils that are in there over and over and over and over didn't bother Paul anymore for me to live is Christ to die is gain I wonder as a child of God if we can lose our fear and our doubt of what's going on in our life and just put that in God's hands and start working again for the kingdom. Loosing our faith to bless others. To reach for a world that is lost and dying not letting fear blind me to everything that God has done therefore knowing there's nothing that God cannot do let's close our eyes and begin to put our mind on the Lord I know you're standing if you're here today and don't be ashamed of this because we there's no one that doesn't battle this but if you've been battling fear about something, doubt about something, I wonder if you'll step out from where you are and just make your way down to this altar and say, Lord, I'm going to bring this to you. I'm going to lay this at your feet. Fear has blinded me to your wonders. Fear and doubt has blinded me. And has prevented me from doing the things that you've called me to do. I want to come lay them down at your feet. I'm no longer going to fear this. I'm no longer going to let it fill my heart with doubt. I'm no longer going to lay down at night and let my heart and my mind and my spirit be overwhelmed by fear. I'm not going to let it minimize my faith or cause my faith to become little faith or have little power, little impact, be able to do little, no longer to be able to operate. God, I can remember when you used me greatly. Come on, I'm talking to somebody. The Holy Ghost is speaking to you right now.